From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ross Martin, bringing you a very, very, very special 2013 NBA Draft edition of the Colorado Sports Guys. As always, Nate Timmons from Denver Stiffs is here. Of course I am. What's up, Ross? And we have not much. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. And we have two very special guests. We have Sam Vecini from FearTheSword.com, the uh, highly acclaimed SB Nation Cleveland Cavaliers blog. Welcome, Sam. Uh, thanks a lot, Ross. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. And we got Dave Starser from the other critically acclaimed SB Nation blog for the New Orleans Pelicans at thehive.com. Welcome, Dave. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for the sweet intro. I'm double fisting it over here. Got a delicious apricot blonde beer and some coffee, too. So Ooh. I'm ready to go. That's right. I'm ready to go. Don't freak out with the caffeine and booze <laughs> over there. But, uh, you know, I gotta say, this is gonna be fun, I, I would imagine. I, I'm about as qualified to talk about the draft as like the daytime Emmys or... Skip Bayless? What is the, what's the... <laughs> Skip, Skip Bayless, Bayless. Skip Bayless like, comes up all the time. I, I just and can't. I don't even really know exactly who he is. <laughs> but, uh, he's on ESPN, right? He is. Yeah. I can't, I think I always get him confused with Colin Cowherd. I just can't, like, get what over sort of? listening to clips now of Skip Bayless raving about Austin Rivers being awesome before the draft. Hey, 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 there's still time. <laughs> there's hey, still our, time. Our trusted general manager at the Nuggets may have been involved in, in making that pick, Very so we true. got some heavy okay. Austin Rivers so, connections here. Uh, yeah, let's just pump the brakes on the Austin Rivers talk. <laughs> let's hope he does hey, a I'm remarkable a turnaround. I'm rooting for him. Thank but you. Appreciate it. Oh. Yikes. So what do we got, guys? We got, I, I'm very well of where the Nuggets are, stand here as 27th pick. And I know where the Cleveland is because they got the first pick. I don't know about the Pelicans. We're, uh, right in there at slot number six. Very good. By the way, are you going to have to change the name of your blog? Yeah, that's, I'm assuming that's going to be happening here sometime shortly. Um, got to talk to the powers that be about that but uh Pelicans i'm, I'm assuming right oh. at the nest maybe um i don't know if they're gonna mix it up a little bit but i'm sure a rebranding will take place really shortly that is the worst name for a team i've ever you don't like the pelicans have you done any pelicans research <laughs> because they are terrifying animals well i'm not terrifying. i'm not questioning it from the standpoint of is the animal intimidating yeah. okay or not? that's not what i'm saying i don't even think that's a requisite for any team name, so frankly. what are you questioning there's no alliteration, really. You know, New Orleans Pelicans. It should be like the New Orleans, you know. Hard to alliterate with the N and the O in there. Um, no, alliteration is somebody good. Somebody could have done but it. But it, it has its local ties. That's why they, that's why they change it to the Pelicans. Did somebody vote on this? Was uh, there a vote? Was the this owner. A community decision? The, the owner voted one to nothing and he won. Um, <laughs> but it's the state bird of, of Louisiana and they, they're crazy about the pelican down there. And um, his wife wanted know, that name, right? I mean, you can't get I'm sure. The I'm sure. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're all, they're Louisiana born and bred and everything. So Louisiana pelican sounds a little better. Maybe so they just changed it yeah. to Louisiana. Yeah, maybe. I don't know why. Okay. Actually, it just you like does. That okay. New Orleans pelicans. It's kind of, I think it doesn't roll of, off the tongue. Yeah, but it's kind of weird because when you think about the, uh, the alphabet, you know what I mean? Just like 
It, it does go in order. N O N O P. It's kind of so it'll say nope. It'll say nope on the little box scores <laughs> when we're playing. I'm so excited for the nope. Oh. Very good. Well, enough kidding aside. Poor, poor New Orleans Pelicans coming in at number six. Um, how do you guys want to do this? We're not going to do a mock draft today, no. but we're going to go through. We're going to talk about the first few picks. We're also going to talk about some of the rumors and and speculation out there about these three teams. These uh, storied uh, rivals. <laughs> Story. <laughs> Is there more natural of uh, three teams to discuss yeah, than these three? Exactly. <laughs> Going back tens of twenties of years. <laughs> we couldn't have gotten a major market blogger in here, Timmons. Like Come a on. Lakers blogger, <laughs> Silver Screen guy. So Stop disappointed. It. He's really Cleveland and New Orleans. Yeah. No, no, I love it. Um, it's so, pretty sweet that we have a Cleveland guy in Colorado right now. We have a born and raised Colorado guy that for some yes. reason likes the Pelicans, which is kind of sad. Story. I mean, you see the Lafonso Ellis jersey. We have a Jalen Rose jersey in here. Doesn't that I appreciate doesn't bring you that. back to the childhood? I, I appreciate a good Lafonso Ellis jersey for sure. It's autographed for too. Sure. Oh yeah, you haven't seen that. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Did Lafonso Ellis play for the Hornets at one time? I don't think so. Okay, just thinking. His career kind of he, derailed he, after a knee he's injury. He's in broadcasting now, though, isn't he? He I is, believe yeah. he is. He's for pretty a college good. team, right? Yeah. Some college uh, ESPN LaFonso. stuff. Lafonso. He yeah. rocks the, the cornrows, too, in the gate broadcast. Kind of has some little braids going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Looks kind of funny. I need to but... check this out. Yeah. You do your research, Lafonso Ellis. Lafonso. Yeah. But, yeah, let's kind of start with that number one pick with the old uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And perhaps what they may do with that pick, what the mock drafts might be saying, and maybe wh- uh, which way the team is leaning. How about that? All right. So... There have been a lot of rumors going around Cleveland, basically, and it makes me think that really no one knows what's going to happen other than Chris Grant right now. Um, is that your general manager? Yes, Chris Grant is the general manager of Sam, the Cleveland I'm sorry. Cavaliers. I don't want to interrupt. Nate, did you press record? Of course. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That's probably a good thing. That was a good check. <laughs> I could ask. I could interrupt now or in an hour. Yeah, this is true. Good call. Don't want to have to re-record. It's happened We've before. gone through that before and fear the, fear the sword too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically if you listen to national guys like Jonathan Cavoni of Draft Express, Chad Ford of ESPN, they're still on the Nerlens Noel being the number one overall pick thing right now. But if you listen more locally, more on the fringes, I guess, looks like that's not going to happen. It looks like they're not even interested in Noel anymore. And that's kind of scary. Like a lot of the local Cleveland guys right now are saying that I guess that Alex Len of Maryland is going to be the number one pick. And they're down to him, Ben McLemore, and Anthony Bennett as the three guys that they're still looking at. Wow. Which is bad for me because <laughs> the top the top guy on my big board of those three is Len at five. So, you know, whenever you can pick number one and get the fifth best player in the draft, you know, do you like, do you like Nerland's Noel? Like to me. I love Noel. Really? I think he's, I think he's an incredible fit in Mike Brown's defensive system. Mike Brown's defensive system relies a lot on basically big guys being able to hedge up high and hard. And there was really not a better, more athletic mobile big man in this draft than Noel that can do that. And he's an excellent shot blocker. I think he's going to be able to step in immediately and be a terror on the weak side at least. I think he's going to obviously have problems in the post being like 220 pounds right now. But How many like defensive-minded centers that I don't know if he can't play offense? He really can't shoot. Uh, well, yeah, he can't shoot right now, but he's actually a pretty good rim runner. He's actually really good in transition. 
because of how athletic he is. Stromile Swift was as well, right? Stro- yeah, that's <laughs> whenever you take the next Stromile Swift, I guess you should probably do that. I was going to say, because you've been on kind of on two ends. You had the, you know, Cavaliers had that number one pick when you guys took Kyrie Irving. And yeah. that was like the sure thing pick. I mean, you didn't, there was no, well, there, no other question really. There actually was a little bit of a question with Derek Williams. Oh, like, yeah. That's right. A lot of, some national guys, cough, cough, Bill Simmons, cough, cough, uh, said that he thinks Derek Williams should have been number one. And yeah, obviously we made the right pick there. Yeah. So it was great, but I worry about this one. If they're, if they're not going to take Nerlens Noel, I would prefer that they took Otto Porter because it's a positional need. It's small forward, and I think he's really good. We just watched his 19-year-old season, and he averaged like 17 and seven or 17 and eight at Georgetown. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's perfect fit. He's six foot nine, small forward, seven two wingspan. Like, I'm not sure what more you could ask for. He shot 40% from three. Like, <laughs> what do you think the, uh, the consensus is on, like, Fear the Sword or what Cavs, like, fans want? Do they want Noel? Uh, Cavs fans definitely want Noel, but we're starting to, I guess we're start, we're going through, like, the 12 step program right now. We're just kind of getting <laughs> to where we're in acceptance of, yeah, <laughs> Noel. Pro- pro- the 12 step process is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the, uh, the, the five, pros- the the five, five step. steps of, uh, okay. It's, we're getting into 12 steps over at Fear the Sword. <laughs> once we, uh, once, once lens the pick, we'll probably need the 12 step by the time August hits. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty, like, we're pretty close to acceptance right now that it's probably looking like it's gonna be Len. And yeah, that's not great. Well, it's kind of funny too, cause you have, Noel, who's coming off the torn ACL, and then you have Alex Len, who has he's coming off ankle surgery for a stress fracture, which scares me a lot more than a torn ACL, by the yeah. way, because ankles, feet with big men tend to fester. That's a good point. So, and it's yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's he'll be hundred percent, but I mean, I I like Alex Len from just I mean, I was <laughs> I think I was watching highlights in here last week, and I'm like. I don't know who I was watching. Eric Green, who's a Nuggets guy, and I'm like, man, this guy looks great in these highlights. I also love. He always Eric look good Green, in highlights. <laughs> but highlights, you look fantastic all the time. It's awesome. <laughs> no, if, if you go through, you watch some of Alex Len's games. You see that the guards that he was playing with were absolutely just so atrocious. They couldn't get him the ball in the post. They didn't really know how to run a pick and roll. Um, like Matt Moore, uh, HP Basketball, also Denver guy. He was tweeting earlier this morning about how. He thinks that Len doesn't he really have a lot of great instincts in the pick and roll yet. And I think I kind of chalk that up more to guard play than to Len. Like if you if you watch Len, he's actually really fluid around the rim. He's able to catch the ball, keep it high, and kind of just throw it down and all like in one fluid motion. He actually has pretty decent footwork too already. He's been coached pretty well, it seems like. So it's not a disaster pick if Cleveland takes Len. It's just a really and scary one considering you're taking a guy with stress fracture in his ankle who didn't perform in college and yeah it's it's a little scary yeah. i would i would i was think about that number one pick and in some years you know it's, it's a bad just, year <laughs> you know yeah some years it's a no-brainer obviously last year last year was anthony davis no-brainer next year is andrew wiggins or jabari parker i mean hell you could have gotten two next year and been fine but Cavs it's it's a scary draft one through six. I mean, it's it's a crapshoot, kind of no matter who you take here. Yeah, it's you funny. mentioned Otto Porter. He might be the guy that anyone in the top six would be happy to get. Yeah. But then again, if you take him number one, people might be a little skeptical. Like, really, we're taking this guy number one overall. Yeah. 
I actually so. think he has a little bit more upside than he's been given credit for. Like I said earlier, we just watched his 19-year-old season, and it seems like a lot of guys are calling him the safe guy in this draft. And I do think he's safe, don't get me wrong, but I also think that there's room for upside there. So you, you'd be very happy if they took him, number one. I'd be very happy if they took Noel. I'd be happy if they took Porter. I would be scared of anyone else. <laughs> I'd be terrified to take Noel. I just don't think he's going to be any good. I mean, he, um, he might be a he decent, scares me too. He, he might be a decent defender, too. but you just I, don't see like I a big difference that, maker. I think he's an incredible defender. Having seen like if you watch him on the weak side just pursue blocks, it's insane. And he was really starting to come to his own whenever he got hurt in the uh, Florida game. If you watch the play he got hurt on even, he makes like a full court sprint to go chase this guy down and try and block a shot and he's came down wrong. Yeah. Like he, I really think he's equal to Anthony Davis defensively. He just doesn't have the same room for offensive potential that Davis has with the jump shot. Yeah. That's the part that just scares me is it's like, I'm just trying to think of guys to compare him to. Like Ben Wallace is a guy that didn't really have much game outside the paint. You know, I, mean? I, I think he reminds me, Nerland's Noel reminds me a lot of when Tyson Chandler came to the league. Chandler was super skinny like that. He wasn't ready. He was young. Physically. Yeah, he was young. Because Noel, we just watched Noel's 18-year-old season. He just turned 19. So it'll be basically the same kind of age thing. And yeah, I would say Chandler is probably the best one. And Joe Kim Noah is another guy that comes to mind for me. But Noah came in a little bit older. He was like 21, 22. But he was the same like weight. And he still put on weight and put on strength and was able to defend in the post. And he's another guy that can hedge out high and defend on the perimeter like Noel can. So, what about uh, the Pelicans are at the six? You want like said, you want Otto Porter to fall to six? Don't if you? Otto Porter fell to six, <laughs> I'd snatch him up in a heartbeat. Uh, I don't think he's going to fall that far, though. I was just looking mm-hmm. here at the Draft Express. They have, uh, or sorry, not even Draft Express. It was on at the Hive, and they have we have a nice little graphic here with all the different mock drafts from Matt Moore, Draft Express, Chris Mannix, Steve Kyler, and I don't think any of them have Porter dropping below. Three? Yeah, I think that. So I think that if he gets to the Wizards, that's the pick. Yeah, I, unless like guy, Noel does, and they need a three, three as well. But yeah, so, yeah, he'd be perfect for the Wizards. I mean, I think so Bradley too. Beal, John Wall, and Otto Porter. I mean, by the set. way, Wizards maybe the most underrated team from the second half of this past season. Yeah, once John Wall came, they back, were a top five defensive team in the league in the second half of the season. It's unbelievable how that team transformed with him there. But uh, I don't want to talk Wizards. Um. <laughs> So yeah, no, I would be ecstatic if Otto Porter fell to six. Hornets need a small forward as well too. Backcourt got some options. Obviously the front court with Anthony Davis, Ryan Anderson, Robin Lopez. Um, pretty set at least their top three for now. So that three would be a, a nice position to fill. Um, a lot of the mock drafts have Trey Burke going to New Orleans at six. And, how do you feel about that? Well, see, I was just going to say Nate was asking about how the fan base feels, how you know, writers and bloggers feel. I feel like fans really like Trey Burke. I mean, if you're just a casual fan, you watch the NCAA tournament, you saw what that guy did in Michigan, yeah. taking that team on his back, beating Kansas. Uh, that was the Final Four game he did that? Yeah. Just yeah. unbelievable performance from that kid. You know, writers, I feel like a little more torn on him. Me, personally, I like when a kid performs on that stage. You know, I know there's different skill sets, athleticism, size that – People look at and do those skills translate into the NBA. He's at least a little undersized. His size doesn't scare me at all. But I, I like him. Yeah. Like I said, if, if I just watched Anthony Davis 12 months ago. 
take Kentucky to the national title. Obviously, that's yeah. a different animal. I mean, he was a consensus number one pick. But anytime you can perform like Trey Burke did on the national stage like that, if Trey Burke fell to six, and again, granted, Austin River's still a project. You got Eric Gordon, <laughs> his situation very fluid. I like, I'm a big Grievous Vasquez fan, actually. Yeah, he like took Grievous. a big step forward this year. He's a guy that a lot of writers and bloggers, for some reason, seem to hate. I might be on an island in terms of Grievous Vasquez on this team. It seems anytime people want to put together a sign and trade or improve this team, it's always ship out GV. Just ship him out, and we'll improve <laughs> at the point guard. So a lot of moves the Hornets can make here. If Trey Burke ends up going at six, I think I'd be okay with that. So I think Trey Burke kind of has – I mean, he's not exactly Allen Iverson, but he's got a little bit of that to his game. He's he got a lot of swagger for sure, swagger, which is a good thing. And he plays angry. He gives up his body, oh, and he yeah. can get inside. And it's like this whole undersized argument is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Ty Lawson – you know, I'm taller than Ty by three or four inches, and this guy dominates at the rim. I, I actually, Ty's pretty fast, though. I, don't I mean, not that Burke isn't fast, but I mean, Ty's kind of a freaking nature when it comes to his speed. He is Chris Paul. He's been labeled as undersized. He's been, he's arguably the best point guard in the NBA. It just makes no sense to me that you could say he's undersized. He's not going to make it when clearly he's been, you know, one of the top guys from high school, from middle school all the way till you know college. It's just ridiculous. Lest we call him undersized, he's still like a little bit over six one with a six five wingspan. Yeah, like that does have long arms. Fine, sure. <laughs> I think that's totally fine size wise for a point guard. And I actually have Trey Burke at number two on my big board. I think he's going to be wow. very good. I think he's Damian Lillard again. He's mm. the best point guard in this draft in the pick and roll statistically, according to Draft Express. He's already got NBA three point range. And I think because he has the three-point range, you could even play him a little bit off-ball with Grievous Vasquez if you wanted. I like that a lot. I like I, To be honest, I, I would like a guy like Burke who could handle the ball because I think Grievous should probably play off the ball a little more. Yeah. He's a very dribble-happy guy, Grievous. <laughs> and uh, sometimes the offense just kind of sputters because mm-hmm. he's just dribbling around picks nonstop and then they have to chuck up a shot late in the shot clock. But Grievous is a very good shooter. So I like mm-hmm. a guy like Burke who could handle the ball too and yeah. you could let Grievous spot up on the on the wing as well. Yeah, definitely. This seems like one of those drafts, you know, every every year the the NBA draft and a lot of fans hope that it's going to be the pick that changes their whole franchise around. This year's a little bit weaker, I guess, from that standpoint and there's not a consensus number one or number two pick. So it seems to me like this is the type of year where a team that's had a pretty good season farther down could actually trade up and make some moves and start bringing in a guy that a single guy that could significantly make the team better. Mm-hmm. And then maybe some of these uh teams that are have a top pick can get down and get like a couple more picks to really fortify sure. their opportunities. Yeah. Is there any talk about a team like the Nuggets trading up, trying to Maybe take that number six spot in exchange for a couple picks or maybe even future picks? I don't know about any playoff teams, non-lottery teams trying to move up to get a guy, but you, you hit the nail on the head there. There's not going to be a franchise-altering guy in this draft, but I think this draft might be a little underrated in terms of – I think a lot of these guys, top 10, top 15, we're going to be good NBA players, have 10, mm-hmm. 12-year careers in the NBA. They're not going to be, like you said, a franchise guy to build around maybe, but – I think you got a lot, lot of solid NBA players, guys that can contribute to a team. If you're the Cavs, you got Kyrie, mm-hmm. you got some pieces there in place. If you can get a guy in there, an Oladipo or or Porter or somebody yeah. that you can kind of put in there, just just continue to improve your team and, and build around a young nucleus. Kind of the same thing with the Hornets, although it'd be nice to get 
somebody to pair along AD and, and that with that team. Yeah. yeah, this feels like a draft where you're going to find you know your Tayshon Princes, your Aaron Aflalos, like all mm-hmm. these guys that are. Yeah. You know, the role players you need to win a title. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's, yeah, you can yeah. throw him I mean, in there. If like Otto George Porter, Hill, all those types. I actually yeah. compared Kawhi Leonard to Otto Porter last night. I'll tell you Twitter. what, if you're any of these teams, pretty similar. And you can, and you can get that same kind of growth as a player from Otto Porter as you see from Kawhi Leonard. I think I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi Leonard. I think Otto Porter actually has a lot more like basketball skills. He's not as athletic as Kawhi is, but. If you watch Otto Porter pass, he can. I think he can average five assists a game in the NBA. And we've seen how important passing from that position, aka LeBron and LeBron James, LeBron James. But having a guy that size, that skill who can also pass the ball. Even even Denver saw that this year with Iguodala. Iguodala, a fantastic guy passer, off. especially out of the high post. Great passer. That's what you yeah. want. In a Sixteen million dollar guy. <laughs> Just can pass every once in a while. Ross, yeah, I Ross, agree. Huge Iguodala fan, Ross. Iguodala. Well, Iguodala's kind of great sixth man. I've said it for months. He's, he's great sixth man. He's taken like a lot of heat. I think the same type of criticisms that they had in Philadelphia, people in Denver kind of see him as. Why isn't he scoring twenty points a game and lighting the world on fire? And it's like that's not who Iguodala is. And it's yeah. hard to explain from like a basketball nerd standpoint, like what he actually I does. I love Iguodala. So do I. I think that if Man like crush. he goes to San Antonio this year, oh god, like that's a perfect fit. Yeah, you put him and Kawhi on the wings. Jeez, no one is scoring on that team. Because there's been like the a, and there's been debates in Denver. I mean, the columnists here and you know Ross has talked about it too. They're like. You know, do they need to bring this guy back if they have to pay him big money? And then you just see other teams when he announced he was opting out. I'm looking on Twitter and it's like, we should get a Godala, throw whatever kind of money you can at him. Yeah. But it's like all these other fans want him. And it's like, it's one of those things where you're not going to realize what you've lost until it's gone type yeah. of deal. And know? the other exactly. thing in, in Iguodala's defense, and it's probably a little unfair is that he, with Gallinari, it was a much better situation, obviously, because Iguodala didn't have to be the guy to, you know, kind of, create his own offense. Yeah, because he that was laughable watching him try and do that yeah. in the playoffs. It just, but you know, it wasn't entirely his fault. He's not that guy. Although I would argue he gets paid. He gets paid to be that guy. He did. To be those yeah. guy, that like guy. I think Iguodala is like the prototypical like twelve to thirteen million dollar like insane elite role player. Yeah. You want is See, like I, a third best player on a title. And team. I was just going to ask you guys about this in the NBA or in sports in general. You're in business. You're paid what you're valued. Now, what did the Nuggets value him at? Oh, maybe they don't want to go above ten million. But like mm-hmm. you said, if there's somebody out there willing to go above that, yeah. even though he may not be worth fifteen plus million dollars a year, there will be a team that's willing. There's to gonna be somebody that. out there who's gonna think he's worth that. And if I'm the Nuggets, I would think he's worth that. But. They already have new GM Tim Conley talked about. He knows that you know fourteen million dollars is probably gonna be right around what he might get. So he's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have fourteen million to spend. If it comes to that, you know, that's what we're going to do. So the Nuggets aren't, you know, looking to pinch pennies with him. I think they'll try to get it done. But, God, he would be insane not to sign with the Spurs. If the Spurs have the money to bring him in, that would be the best fit for him. Oh, my gosh. Which would be bad for the Nuggets, but fantastic. Bad for the Hornets, bad for the Pelicans, bad for everyone, really. (laughs) Craziness. But, okay, do you guys see anybody in this lottery situation maybe having a fall like anybody that you think is going to stumble out of the lottery that was supposed to be projected as a high pick one guy that comes to mind shabazz muhammad yeah but you know what i think the kings are at seven right behind new orleans he seems like a pretty prototypical kings guy just you know what I mean. One the Kings don't player. have any of those guys anymore. They got Pete Alessandro running things. They got Mike Malone, that's, the new I head coach, new Pete's owner. There now, but 
You're I, right. Maybe yeah, but Shabazz isn't exactly. He's not a bad guy though. Like he no. has. If you watch him play, he has an exceptionally high motor. Like you don't have to worry about him playing hard. He's going to play hard every game. It's just whether or not he's actually good. <laughs> like he's just like he's he's an extremely inefficient player. Is the problem? As opposed to guys who are unquestionably talented but don't try hard. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he actually. Like part of the questions have been his athleticism. A lot of people don't really see it with him. He's not a bad athlete by any means, but he's probably like a league average small forward as far as athleticism. And he's going to play hard. He's not going to defend. He doesn't. He just didn't in uh, UCLA. Or UCLA it's weird. Yeah, exactly. No, no joke. But like if you watch him get after the offensive boards, he does that exceptionally well. He gets to the rim kind of whenever he wants, even despite being – like that average athlete because of his length and he just knows how to use his length. He knows how to use his feet to get where he wants on the court. We had uh, obviously Masai Ujiri here in Denver just left town for Toronto and he always, he stressed it a lot of times we talk with him, he stressed trends in the NBA. You know, the NBA was a center dominated league. Then they went to drafting all these guys from Europe and then they, now they're kind of getting into this kind of a running like two-way game where you have to be like a you have to be a good two-way player Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily get away with being you know i see a carmelo anthony a guy that just doesn't care that much about playing defense you know you're saying shabazz muhammad may not defend it's like you can't get away with that because you have these guys like Kawhi leonard and all these younger players that are coming up that are great two-way guys it's like you got to be well-rounded. And you got to be athletic yep. too. I mean, you talked about why you love Noel so much because he can defend the pick and roll. You know, I've spent a whole year watching Robin Lopez trying to defend the pick and roll. Robin made a lot of steps offensively this season, but pretty <laughs> atrocious defending the pick and roll. So, yeah. I mean, that's in today's day and age, having big men who are athletic who can move around. You talked about Noah improving his yeah. game in that regard. Tyson Chandler. And see deal. what Nate just said about having to play two ways is why I actually am really down on Anthony Bennett this year out of UNLV. I think that he's going to score. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to score. Like, there is not a more explosive player to the rim in this draft than Anthony Bennett. And he has, like, range out to about 20 feet already, so it's not crazy oh, he can to shoot think the three. that. Yeah, it's not crazy to think that he'll be able to shoot the NBA three in a couple years. But he's a six foot seven and a half power forward that didn't give a damn at all on defense. He this could year. be Michael Beasley version 2.0. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's <It's>, not good. <laughs> that being said though, I loved watching him play. Yeah, he's Saw some the most fun games. player in this draft oh, for by sure. far. It's um, just I don't think he's going to defend. The good all. news is I don't think that guy fits into the Hornet system. I don't know if he fit in like said the Mike Brown Cavs system uh, either. Not that it would matter with because Tristan you guys Thompson, I hope not. <laughs> but uh th- that's a guy I have my eye on to see where he goes. Yeah. Like I said, maybe Kings, maybe Sun if the Suns take it, take it although they have <laughs> Got Beasley and him together, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Anthony Bennett. Goes I would probably sure. pay to like watch those two play together, Beasley and Bennett. Oh yeah, that'd be so funny. Like, did you see fifteen foot mid range jumper? That's a league after... pass watch. Yeah, they can lose a couple hundred twenty five, hundred twenty two games. Yeah, be just off. Sure. Yeah. There's one guy that I kind of want to focus on a little bit that I was hoping if the Nuggets, like Ross was saying, is anybody going to trade up? I was like, if the Nuggets did trade up into this draft, I was hoping that they'd be able to snag like C.J. McCollum. And he's a guy that's kind of been climbing on draft boards and kind of getting a big buzz as being the next Damian Lillard because he's out of the Patriot yeah. League and whatever. What do you guys think about C.J. McCollum? I absolutely love this guy's I'm game. I'm not high on him at all. Okay. You very well might be right here on this. I just don't see it. Uh, I see a lot of Randy Foy in his game. Oh, yeah. Like okay. where 
he's mm-hmm. not super athletic. Like he's not the level of athlete that Damian Lillard is. Lillard's super fast, gets into the lane whenever he wants. Like McCollum got into the lane when he wanted in the Patriot League, but he didn't like stand out as a superior athlete to those guys in the Patriot League. Yeah. Having said that, he might be the best shooter in this draft. So, and I don't think he's a point guard is the other problem here. Like I, I don't think he can actually run an offense. Sounds so. like you would fit in on the Nuggets. <laughs> actually, uh-uh. we yeah, don't need a point guard. We need some shooters. Yeah. Need some shooters. Like he actually sure. might fit we in got on good the Nuggets. Defenders. Like, like I have him at fourteen on my big board right now, which is lower than a lot of people have him. But I still have him as a lottery pick. You know what I mean? How deep so. does your big board go? Thirty. Thirty. You're doing I, the I whole did first top thirty. Board. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't keep a big board. Uh, I just kind of watch 20, the mocks. Twenty five hundred. <laughs> twenty five hundred words or so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Good stuff. All right, so. Cavaliers also hold the 19th pick. Yeah. So 19, there have been rumors going around that they're moving up to 13 uh, with the Mavs pick. Yeah, because the Mavs are trying to get out of that pick. They're trying to clear space to get a big free agent there this offseason. The rumor deal was Sean Marion and 13 for 19, which I feel like just can't be accurate at all. Like I feel like Sean Marion still has value. I feel like there's no way they're just going to dump his contract. It was he like nine, nine and a half million, something around there. Nine. It's nine and a half million, but he also has a, or it's nine million, I think, but he also has a fifteen uh, percent trade kicker that so, now has to be paid by the Mavs, right? Well, that would if he gets traded, it would be paid by the Cavaliers. So it would be like up to a ten point seven million dollar commitment. Is that because he just signed it year, under right? the old CBA? I don't know exactly what the uh, circumstances are behind the trade code. Be but I know that, that he has one. Yeah, because the one that DeAndre Jordan signed, that was going to have to be paid by the Clippers because it was signed under the new CBA. So that must be, it must be the yeah. wrinkle in that. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know the whole thing about that. But that's the rumor deal because the Cavaliers, as a team, they want to move up and get Sergei Karasev out of Russia. Um, they've had him in for workouts. I believe they love him. Uh, they've seen him. Chris Grant's gone over multiple times to see him. Uh, he's a knockdown shooter. He is a pretty good passer. He's only 19 too. So while I'm higher a little bit on Reggie Bullock than I am on him, because I think Bullock can become a bit of a more complete player. Um, yeah, apparently the Cavs just love Sergey Karasev. You guys so. wouldn't have to eat a bad contract for a season to get Bullock. I mean, he would probably be there at 19. Agreed. I don't think that there's any value in moving up the 13 in this draft, honestly. Like, if you have 19, I think that the same level of player is going to be there. And Sergey would be, would he be a reach at 13? Um. Is there anybody that's projecting him to go that high? Mm, not really, but there have been rumors that the Timberwolves love him. So <laughs> there have been, like, well, anybody they, from Russia, the Timberwolves yeah, exactly. will sign him right up. <laughs> they need. Well, they need shooting too, the Timberwolves. Yeah. So like in reality, it's, it's like a sensible move, but like there have been rumors there. There have been rumors. I want, like there have been rumors actually the Mavs might take them and try and convince them to stay in Russia for another year just so they don't have to pay the 13th overall pick again. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the guy the Cavs really like right now. It seems like at least. I mean, I'm not in Chris Grant's head here. I'm just going to throw this out there. If I was a Cavs, I would seriously consider making that move though, because you're right, it's not a good contract. The trade kicker makes it a little bit worse to swallow, but it's just, just this year, right? I mean, yeah. this is an expiring it's, deal. You, you get him in there. I think the Cavs are going to be an improved team, probably contending for the playoffs, if not yeah. a little bit better in the Sean Eastern Marion's Conference. A, like a really good basketball oh, player I, still, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, Sean like, Marion's yeah. still, <laughs> still a contributing basketball player. If you can player. pick him up for free, I would absolutely do it. And you can I, always flip that. You can always flip that contract later on in the season, yeah. though. 
Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You, you tell me, I mean, if he didn't fit in or just didn't get playing time because you guys end up getting Otto Porter or something else, yeah. you can always flip that later on. Yeah. Just move up six spots, I'd do it. Oh, absolutely. I would do it. Um, I just feel like that can't be the only part of the deal, right? I think you underestimate like, how badly Mark Cuban wants to get a star <laughs> there. Yeah, I think yeah. he's going to do everything in his power, getting rid of Sean Marion, who everyone but Dirk, to try and get somebody to come play with him there. It's possible. But they'll have to almost wait for a year because, I mean, it, it really doesn't sound like Chris Paul may go anywhere. And Dwight Howard's maybe going to sign with Houston or probably stay in L.A. I mean, those seems like his two best options. I think the Cuban's going to be – yeah, I think he's going to get screwed two years in I a row. I think he is too. But, yeah, uh, as far as Chris Paul goes, I think there is a chance that he leaves actually depending on who yeah. they sign as coach. Like I think if Scott goes there, he stays obviously, and that's the rumor right now. But – that whole Doc Rivers thing could have left a bad taste in his mouth, I think. We always so. heard rumors that Chris Paul and Byron Scott did not get along that well with the Hornets. Really? But. You know, I was talking to my buddy about this the other day. When they were there and when they fired him, they fired him, I think it was seven or eight games into the '09-'10 season. Chris Paul was really upset that they fired him. At least that's what I remember hearing and, and him talking about. And I thought that was going to be another good match. Byron Scott's had good uh, – What's where I'm looking for rapport with uh, with point guards in the past, but my buddy was saying that he thought he remembered them clashing heads in in New Orleans too. But I don't know. I it could just be that thing though, where I mean, coaches and players clash heads during the season. Yeah. You know, if somebody, if some reporter reads it wrong or writes a story how it's you know it can yeah. blow up the other yeah. way. But I don't know. I I think if Byron Scott goes, I agree with you. I think he's more likely to stay if if Byron I think so too. What do you think of Byron Scott as a coach? I know the Nuggets are obviously th- looking for somebody. I think so. that he's. <laughs> I don't, my biggest problem with him, he doesn't seem to have any semblance of defensive system whatsoever. Kind of the opposite of Mike Brown, maybe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, seriously. I think that is the whole reason why they hired Mike Brown. Like, we just watched three years of Byron Scott not even attempting to coach defense and went back to Mike Brown. Like, they literally said right when they hired Mike Brown, we made a mistake three years ago. We should have kept Mike Brown. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. <sighs> so. That's craziness. So if you guys do stay, if the Cavs stayed at 19, you'd want that to be Bullock. I would want it to be Bullock depending on who they take at number one. Like assuming they take a big man at number one, either Len, Noel, something like that. I do think that they're going to look at a shooter. Um, if they would take a smaller guy at number one, I think that there's a ton of depth at like big man in that portion of the draft. Like I, I love Gorgie Jang. Like I think he's, he's, yeah. at, he's at number 12 for me right now. I love him as a player. I think that. I, I mean, I'm not a huge Mason Plumlee guy. I'm not a huge Kelly Olynyk guy. Uh, I don't particularly like Rudy Gobert, but like, there are a ton of those guys in this, at this point in the draft where you can think, oh, hey, I mean, that, that works. But another thing I've heard is that it's possible Chris Grant has been all over this Greek kid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. And Nuggets are rumored to be interested yeah, in him they, as well. Yeah, they think that he's gonna probably slide up into, not not the lottery probably, but near the lottery, and he's probably not going to be there. But if he's there, I would not be surprised at all to see Chris Grant stash him for three years because the Cavs do have 31 and 33 still where they can probably pick up another good player because this draft is really deep. What is the scouting report on this on this Greek? <laughs> this Greek guy? kid is this Greek kid's six foot nine at 18 or 19 years old. He plays point guard basically for his Greek B team. Um, they put him in the, the they put the him in the post sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, they put him in the post sometimes and let him play in the post. Like, he does literally everything, and he has he might have the highest potential of anyone in this draft. He also 
might be still playing Greek B-League in five years. And he's totally so. moved up. I mean, he was a guy that was maybe rumored to be in the back half of the first round yeah. or in the end of the first round, and now yeah. he's talked about the end of the lottery, so that's kind of yeah. a nice jump. Another dude that's kind of jumped up there is uh, Barry Larkin's kid, Shane Larkin, who I think yeah. that guy's going to be sweet. Too. I like him too. He's also another point guard. Uh, about point guards, I'm really big in statistically how you play in the pick and roll yeah. because that's – Pretty, what that's you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to yeah. do that in the NBA. And Shane Larkin's another guy that's very good in the pick and roll. He's not going to defend anyone. Yeah. Like he's small. I think he has like the shortest standing reach ever recorded in Draft Express's <laughs> like system because wow. his arms are super short too. His arms are a little bit under six feet too. So how do you guys feel about Michael Carter Williams? Cause it's another guy I've heard in New Orleans. They've worked him out. They like his game. Offensively, maybe a little challenged, which doesn't yeah. help when you have Austin Rivers on your roster, of course. Maybe getting another guy like that, but. He's a really good passer, though. Really good passer. Really good passer. Really I think passer. that he is – he's going to go as far as he learns to shoot. Like, because defenses are just going to play off of him until he proves that he can yeah. learn to shoot. And I think he has excellent potential defensively. I think he has excellent potential getting into the rim or getting into the lane, getting to the rim passing. It just all depends on him learning to shoot so that defenses don't play off him. Like, we just watched in the finals what happens when – Guys aren't shooting well in defense. Just play off of you nonstop. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's totally boomer bust. Uh, he might be. The, we might look back. He might be the best player in this draft. He might have been terrible. It's always so. tough to get a read on Syracuse guys for defensive purposes because that's oh, own God. defense. Yes. I mean, you just have like no idea what they can do in the NBA because oh, they're just they're playing the zone all the time. I watched uh, Dion Waiters this year. He was <laughs> literally, according to Synergy, he was literally the worst defensive player in the NBA. <laughs> Like, not even close either. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on Dion Waiters defensively. I actually love Dion Waiters' potential offensively, but, oh, God. doesn't sound like there's – I've only heard you guys talk about two um, European Well, what players. I was going to say when when you were talking about the Greek kid and that uh, Chris Grant was thinking about stashing him for a couple years, on my mind always goes back to Fran Vasquez for the Magic. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know with these guys if they're going to come over or not. They're going to stay. Rubio obviously stayed over there for was another year or two. Mm-hmm. That you talk about a crapshoot, especially when you're talking about someone like Ancha Chikumbo, who I've heard is at least three years away, possibly five years away from being oh. able to contribute in the NBA. So that's, crazy. that's a pretty big risk that you're taking yeah. here. But a guy that talented, and like I said, whenever you have four draft picks, including 31 and 33. I don't really have a problem with the risk. I'd probably go for it, but that's what the Nuggets did last year. They grabbed uh, Von Fournier at twenty-two, and it was everybody expected that he was going to stay in France. Yeah, you know, he was such a young guy, and I like him a lot too. I think he's actually pretty good. And his whole mindset, as soon as he got drafted, was where do I sign my contract? Because he wanted to come over and wanted to play in the NBA right away. And you know, nobody really—I mean, writers here just kind of looked at him. They looked at the statistics basically that were handed out on draft night where he had like 29% three-point shooting. Yeah. And there was like columns here penned that was like, Nuggets drafted a shooting guard that can't shoot and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> you actually, it's like, no, if you actually watch tape on the kid, you can see that, you know, he's got a great shot. He, mm-hmm. you know, he looks like he gets highlight to the tapes. rim. Yeah, it's, highlights. He was great in the highlights. Once again, no, that's, that's actually highlights. funny. It's kind of the same way with I'm Sergey sure Karras. Agent too. was like, when you send over the tape, make sure it's honest. Okay, yeah. make it. You know, show them the highs and the lows. I got a theory about you know European players and and why they seem to be so many busts in them. When you're talking about the Skeetish Vili's or the 
Darko Milicic's or whatever. Worried about where this is going to go. Well, I think it's because they have translators, you know, and so like if you're listening to a guy talk in a different language that you have no idea what it is, you think he's, you know, saying like equations and stuff, but he could just be like, uh, you know, and then they have the translator come in (laughs) and speak like, you know, John Kennedy, and you're like, oh, this guy's great. Not only is he smart, but and to Americans, kind of anybody who speaks another language, yeah. kind of just automatically seems smart yeah. to us. You know what I mean? And then they get over here, and they're just like, you know, oh the product God. of a communist school, you know, school system or whatever. And they just so I, I think there's something to that, and maybe some of these other guys, like even American-born yeah. players, should start bringing translators with them too. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? It's a and, good idea. You know, this just be like, this guy, uh, this guy speaks for me. This is Alex Trebek, my representation. Uh, there you go. I will mention this though, having said that, a lot of the European guys in this draft do speak English pretty well. Like Dennis Schroeder, the point guard that's, uh, rumored to go anywhere from like 15 to 25 or so. He speaks English really well. Karasev speaks English really well. I have no idea on the Greek kid, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's, what's the French guy? Rudy Gobert, uh, he speaks English enough to understand it. So I think that what you're saying is actually a very good point about why Europeans sometimes do fail in the NBA partially because I think it's a lot harder to coach them whenever it's like you're, you're trying to understand the language as a 19 year old kid and you don't know what your coach is saying. Like that's something that definitely hurts. We got to put that theory into writing, man. We got to get it out there. Oh, it's on the podcast. (laughs) It's on the ethos. It's on the interwebs now. I like Dennis Schroeder. We actually have a, uh, a Nuggets fan that lives in Germany that has watched him play mm-hmm. countless times, and I think he met him at some camp or something a couple yeah. of years ago. And he's like, "This guy's going to be a star." Like the Nuggets have to figure out a way to draft this guy, trade up, do whatever you got to do. And he's a point, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's kind of got. You know, he's kind of been compared a little bit to like Rajon Rondo yeah. for his inside he has super game. long arms too. Yeah. yeah, long arms, and he's got like. He, has a pretty good three-point shot. You know, it's yeah. kind of the mid-range game is his question mark. Yeah, he's and defense. Obviously. He's one of the few guys I haven't seen any of in this draft. Like I, I've even seen like videos. Like I've seen partial games of like Anchikumbo. I've seen partial games of like Karasev that I've found online and like Gobert. I haven't seen any of Schroeder. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Plus, because like the Cavs don't need a point guard. Yeah. So like so I just haven't ever had the. You guys are pretty set there. Yeah, I've, I've never really had the incentive to go look at Dennis Schroeder. But having said that, the Cavs I think are going to draft a backup point guard in this draft. Yeah, because, I mean you have ninety picks. I mean, yeah, exactly. Whenever you have, <laughs> you whenever have, you have seventy-two to, uh, picks, you might as well yeah. just take one. Got to grab one of them. Should we talk about the old Nuggets pick? What do you think, man? You know, I, I'm just really excited for this draft. Twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> 27, you're going to get a game-changing player at that spot. but Hey, well, uh, Kroenke, wasn't he trying to trade that pick away for a coach? Some kind of pick, maybe, <laughs> yeah. He's trying to bring in Doc Rivers for supposedly a first-round pick. Hey, Dad, great idea. Dad, Dad, it's Josh. Dad, Dad, put Mom on the phone. <laughs> We're trying to get this done. Yeah, I don't know what oh pick the Nuggets God. were going to trade. If it was this year's, I hope to God it wasn't next year's first-round pick, the 2014 draft. I mean, you don't want to give away that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Nuggets sitting at 27, one pick. You know, we have – God, the past two years, I think they've drafted 
like five players or something. So we've actually yeah. had draft picks under our old regime here under Mark Workentine. He used to trade every draft pick we had. So I haven't actually gotten to enjoy a draft Thanks, for Mark. like five years. So it's been, <laughs> it's been kind of a nice change having you. Is that keep why the picks he got and, the uh, executive of the year award? Because all the other executives vote on it and they're like, he just gives us all of his picks. Gives us all these draft <laughs> I love picks. that it's guy. <laughs> That's actually probably exactly why he got that thing done. But, uh, the, I've seen the nuggets have kind of, I don't know if there's any inside scoop as to who they're going to have because, you know, we've changed general managers. Uh, two of the three scouts have now left the team. So we're kind of in no man's land, it feels like. But, you know, I'm thinking with Tim Conley being here, he's with the Pelicans. He was preparing for the sixth pick in the draft. I'm like, I kind of wondered, did he see a guy that maybe he would want to trade up for somebody that he thought maybe was, you know, his guy for the Pelicans at six. So I don't know if they'll trade the pick just to trade out of the draft, if they're going to take somebody or if they could trade up. I think they take somebody, and I think there's been a lot of talk about us getting a coach and the Nuggets getting a coach by the draft. I don't think that's really relevant. It's almost better just to keep another you know, cook out of the kitchen, right? That's what Philadelphia is doing, actually. They just don't. They're waiting until after the draft. They want to just deal with it and and deal with their own guys. You know, a coach, I mean – there might be four, three or four coaches in the NBA right now that have won a championship, and they've all done them with exceptional players. So it's not like a team is ever a coach away from a championship. It's always a player or two away yeah. or, or more, but it's always the players. So I think they take the pick. I, I I was kind of hoping they would try and move up, you know, because that makes it more exciting from a fan standpoint. Yeah, you it's know, always nice to 27 is kind of like, ugh. You know, yeah, you kind of take maybe. I mean, there's a chance that the guys that we've seen the Nuggets bring in for workouts are going to be gone. Like Reggie Bulk was a the guy they brought in, but you know, Tim Conley wasn't here for that workout. I don't know if he saw him in New Orleans at all. You guys probably didn't have any reason to bring Bullock in, yeah. with, you know, a top ten pick or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like maybe if Bullock's there, maybe they take him. Uh, they've been linked to like Tony Mitchell. They've been linked to I think it's Tony Snell as well, though he hasn't been in to work out. Uh, they brought in Eric Green. They might have another workout next week before the draft on Thursday. Uh, if there's a guy there that might be the guy, they haven't even brought in. They've only brought in, I think, like five or six guys that could fit the mold at 27. They've brought in a slew of guys that have been, you know, maybe mid second round picks, and they've brought in a bunch of guys that are probably not going to get drafted. So, well, been, I think it's been interesting from the Nuggets' point of view. The, the conversation is always made, and the debate is always made about. Do you pick by position or by the best player out there? With basketball and the NBA specifically, I think, you know, at your top picks, you go with the best talent you can. At 27, though, you can pick by where you by need yeah. and you can pick, you know, by position. And, you know, so I actually feel the opposite of you. you I do. think you should just take the best player available because it's it's so hit or miss at the end of the dra- the end of the first round into the second round. I just take the guy that you feel most confident is an NBA player. And even if he doesn't fit positionally, doesn't fit a need, maybe he's found a trade chip later. Like I would take the guy that I know is going to be an NBA player. Like you've been talking about Eric Green. Yeah. I love Eric Green. Love I think Eric he's going to be a fantastic like combo guard off the bench in the NBA. Yeah, but at that later in the round, the differentiation and the differential in talent is – Smaller, it's harder to tell the difference between yeah. those guys at that point. So it's yeah, less of a risk to go with uh, by position, mm-hmm. based on the fact that you don't really know if he's that much. Yeah. The other guy's that much better, and he's maybe a, a you know a point yeah. guard, which I, I would say we don't really need. But 
Well, yeah, you don't really need I guess in theory, you always want to take the best player. I mean, and I think just looking at the Nuggets roster, I'd be most comfortable if they took a point guard. And I think at 27, you're going to get guys that are going to be, you know, maybe fringe starters. You might find a guy that could be a starter, like a Tony Parker, you know, that panned out. But I love the NBA, the point guard depth at the end of this draft and like, the end of the first round into like the middle of the second round. I love the point guard depth in this draft. You guys incredible. are at 31 and 33 as yeah. well. So we're probably looking at the same guys. Yeah. You know, you're hoping that somebody's going to fall past 27. I'm hoping that well, some if, guys are going to make Eric it. Eric Green falls to 31. I am jumping for joy and then yeah. starting to drink my face off whenever they pass on him for <laughs> some random seven foot Russian guy to yeah. stash. Who's the so, biggest risk pick? Like, the biggest wild card as far as maybe a lottery pick or, you know, at least first rounder. I, I, you know, I always like to think about injuries as always, you know, I mean, think of Greg Oden, right? I mean, that's the one factor that can completely ruin a pick and yeah. ruin a potentially good player. Anybody out there that comes to mind? Well, we talked on our way up here just about the whole Portland deal and just you want to avoid that that mess if possible though i guess both noel and len have these injury concerns going in not so much from an injury risk but and i and i watched him play a good amount do, do you guys do you guys like macklemore a lot i hate to him. be honest <laughs> I, 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 am, good. I have no idea why he is as high as he is i was gonna say that's be my biggest boomer bust guy and you're talking like a top five pick is ben macklemore yeah, here, here's a funny here's a funny stat that uh derek bodner who writes for sb nations uh liberty ballers and also writes for draft express uh you know, shooting guards normally want them to handle the ball, like be able to dribble. Ben McLemore this year had as many points off of offensive rebounds and tip backs as he did in the pick and roll this year. So <laughs> that's not what you want whenever you have like Elijah Johnson running the show at point guard at Kansas. Like you would think that Ben McLemore probably should have taken over a lot more. Than yeah, he and that's did. the big knock on him is he didn't like he doesn't step into a leadership role yeah. and didn't like take over games and take over the team. Yeah. And I mean, that's, and, then, and they're hoping he's suddenly yeah. going to do that in the NBA. Yeah, and from a skill standpoint, you're looking at a shooting guard that, I mean, I don't want to say he can't dribble, but like he can dribble. Kind it's of a big deal. Just that like he can't, he doesn't create for himself well. But you don't have dribble. to dribble in the NBA. True. Danny Green can't, Danny Green can't dribble <laughs> and he just set a record. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to dribble. It takes as many steps as you want, as Ross likes to try to point out, but it's completely not true. Oh. Um, no, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't Did really I mention I don't like, like sports? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> Not a huge sports guy. <laughs> uh, I, I just think for so just get back to my Nuggets pick. I didn't really get to. <laughs> to Guys, to distract. Okay, me. so yes. before we go on here, Timmons, what do you think about uh, the Nuggets pick? Oh, thank you for asking, Ross. I appreciate that. But I think kind of like uh, like Sam was saying, I hope that Denver takes Eric Green. I think that you know getting a backup point guard that's going to be able to supplant Andre Miller, who should be traded yesterday, would be awesome. I would love to have somebody like that that can grow into that role. And if Miller's here for another year or two. He can, you know, teach him some of the tricks of the trade if he wants, whatever. That's, but it's funny you mentioned Andre Miller because I know quite a few like Cavs fans that have said, "Oh, we should trade back for Andre Miller. He'd be steadying veteran presence off the bench." Yes, he would. Where do I? <laughs> he would be great in Cleveland. So, what do you guys? Be what are your What are your problems with Andre Miller? Nothing. Just go ahead and spread that rumor. He's great, man. He's a, probably a borderline all-star player. You should take him. George Carl said he's probably a top five point guard in the history of the NBA, so you should definitely take him. We should have traded, we should have bundled George Carl and Andre Miller for Doc Rivers. Yeah. But Josh never thought of that. 
or Andre Miller and George for Kyrie Irving. Yeah. yeah. I'd take that too. That'd be good. That's hilarious. Miller's not bad. He's a good, at this point in his career, he's a good backup point guard. He doesn't play defense at all. He actually doesn't yeah. even rotate out to shooters. He just stays in the paint when they go through. Literally, you can watch 40 highlights from the season where he does that. His guy will run baseline to baseline. And he'll stay in the paint when the guy goes through, and he That's just stays incredible. there. That's um, but George Carl just played him too much. You know, he was he played about the midway mark from the third quarter to the end of the game. He never came out. Oh wow! So it was just kind of. I, I honestly <laughs> thought a lot of the criticism around here for Andre Miller was a little unfair because without him, the Nuggets have a significantly worse season, I think. And it's not people thought Andre Miller was a problem that there were better alternatives, maybe. Think we could have played Fournier more or something like that or developed talent. But Does, doesn't Miller season, play pretty well with McGee? Yeah. Like that's normally how you get the best out of JaVale a lot of the that time. That was kind of George's playing. philosophy behind that, was yeah. bringing those two off the bench together. It was, yeah. And the only positive there was they would throw like, you know, maybe two alley-oops. <laughs> yeah. Like Miller would find it for two alley-oops during the game. That, <laughs> that was the positive. <laughs> that was the great thing. And you get like wins. you get like two highlight yeah, blocks. Fifty-seven from wins. Fifty-seven yeah. wins with a merry Thank band you, of you, Andre Miller. <laughs> I, mean, I, li- I like Javale McGee. I don't know. I was going to kind of maybe get into this part, uh, just like who, what we think of each other's rosters, because I, I like Javale, and I think whoever comes in here might have a better chance of developing him uh-huh. if he's ever going to become, you know, an all-star probably, player. That's we should probably ask who the most Javale player is in this draft. That's good. Who who is going to be the most Javale like? <laughs> Yeah, it's be, hard to. I think it's Tony Mitchell to that you mentioned earlier. Ah, uh, Tony Mitchell. Yeah, I think that he's not very good at basketball. One of a kind <laughs> guy. Oh, just look at his picture. He's got the Javale body type for sure. Yeah, Javale body strange. type likes to sit around the perimeter and chuck threes all game. Uh, yeah, we yeah. have a we have a kid on our site that goes to uh, North Texas, and uh-huh. he's like. Please, whatever happens, don't take this guy. I've seen him yeah. play. Like he doesn't like to play. He's well, tells yeah. people he doesn't even want to get better. And I'm like, <laughs> what I know seven feet. What I noticed when I watched him He's is close, like you basically nine. you basically like had to give him the ball three times in a row to start a game and like get his head into the game, or else he was just useless. And Javale kind of is a little bit like that too. If he's yeah. not, you could tell right away when Javale got on the court if he had it or if he didn't have it. And if mm-hmm. he had it. Play him 30 minutes, you're going to get a good game out of him. If he didn't have it, get him out of there as fast yeah. as possible. And that's just kind of like just the way a it puppy went. dog with it. You know, doesn't really have control of his limbs. Uh-huh. No big paws. Just give him a couple years. <laughs> Let him grow into that. Yeah, yeah. It's just goofy right now. Yeah, that is true. That's you true. you guys saw the the Javale play in Indiana this year. It was like the number one thing on the Shaq and a fool list where he like almost killed Ty Lawson. Have went you seen that? Yeah, play? went around his back, lost his oh balance, threw the ball about oh five rows in the stands. The most JaVale play in the history. Did, and didn't he start that play by like getting there a steal like, and the, dribbling the ball between his legs? Yeah, he went like around his back. 20, the first yeah, half of the play, you're like, oh my gosh. Oh my. And then, yeah, it just goes. JaVale has JaVale. like 10 plays that are the most JaVale play in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Like not, there's that one where he starts sprinting back on defense, like when he played for the Wizards whenever. Uh, John Wall's like holding the ball. And he's like looks back at him like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, like, I, I don't really. I didn't totally hold like that play against Indiana against him. I've I've been like a Javale defender on the internet, wherever. I'm like, I'm like, no, I, he's, I, he's I actually kind of am too. To be fair, he's a like, smart guy too. I feel he like really he's... is. Listening to him in interviews and stuff, he's actually really thoughtful. Yeah, it's just that I don't know what. It and he's good. Like even kind in, of. in like the locker room, he'll be like, and everybody will specifically bring this up too. Like he knows. 
all the latest and greatest technology, like everything mm-hmm. behind it. And he has like, that's cool. I think he's helped everybody out on the team or helped specific guys out with like sound systems in their house and like getting everything wired and stuff. Like he's very handy. Yeah. Very handy. <laughs> he guy. should be the Just center smart. for the geek squad. Yeah, he should, he could go work at Best Buy. Yeah, that'd be perfect. That'd be perfect for him. I don't think he'd be getting his eleven million dollar <laughs> salary as the center for the Geek Squad. So, what do you guys think uh, about the starting end of this? center? I said, did I not say starting center for the Geek Squad? It's got to oh, be at least eleven. Yeah, it's got to be eleven. How about so the the end of this draft? Some of the other the Cavs thirty one thirty three. Besides Eric Green, I, yeah, he wouldn't fit I, in that beetle. He wouldn't fit in the Geek Squad beetle. They yeah, have to be the Geek Squad. <laughs> Just have to keep him at the Ring. store. <laughs> yeah. One store stays there, doesn't travel. Sorry, I'll keep thinking about it. You guys go. <laughs> um, you were talking about 31-33. I think they're one of those picks, if they keep them both, like there are questions like as to whether or not they keep them both. And I actually feel I feel like pretty confident. Like I would say there's an eighty percent chance that the Cavaliers do not pick one nineteen thirty one thirty-three. Like Chris Grant likes to move around a lot in the draft. Likes to kind of accumulate. Did they do that last year? Did you guys move picks last year? Oh, who did you they traded move picks? For? Didn't you? Because yeah. you got Zeller. Well, we got. I know we got that. We got thirty-one last year um, for Justin Harper. Like we were saying earlier, oh. that was one. Um, yeah, they moved uh, the Mavs pit. They moved with the because Mavs it was like Crowder Zeller. and somebody else for. It ended up being Zeller. like ended up being Jared Cunningham, Bernard James, and Jay Crowder yeah. for uh, Zeller. Which, Bernard James, the old vet. Yeah. Military man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But I should mention that I don't know necessarily that they're going to have all four of these picks. And I would guess that they don't have all four of them. But having said that, if they do stay at 31, like I was saying earlier, I love the point guard depth in this draft. I love it. I think that, that you're going to have at least five of these guys, four of these guys at the end of the draft or at the end of the first round, being in the second round, that become solid backup point guards in the NBA. And that's all you can ask for, really, at 30 to, like, 45 or whatever these guys are going to be taken at. And number one on that list is Eric Green, like uh, Nate was saying earlier, to maybe go to Denver. And I think he'd be a great fit on Denver. I think he's a great fit anywhere. Anyone that can shoot like that, anyone that can play in the pick and roll, I think he can be a plus defender on point guards because he's pretty long. He's pretty tall. Um, He's a big fan of Doritos, Locos, Tacos, and Cool Ranch Tacos, if you guys didn't know. There you go. Who isn't? Inside know. information right here from Nate Timmons. He loves that stuff. And by the way, there's a giant sign at the Taco Bell down the street here that says, and it was like handwritten, and it's like, Doritos, Locos, Tacos, not part of Rocky's taco deal. Like, in like, giant, they're, like they're spelling it out for you. Like so many people have <laughs> just thrown a fit because they don't get I the... I throw a fit. <laughs> I throw a fit when they don't put the tomatoes and sour cream in there. Come on, really? Come on. Oh, that's hilarious. So with uh, with point guards, you like Eric Green. like Eric Green. A lot of our guys like Isaiah Cannon. Uh, he, you say I like him. Name. He's yeah, a gamer Cannon, too. You're right. Yeah, he is a you gamer. Know, seen him I think he's going to be a solid backup point guard again. He'll be a good guy that can bring like offense off the bench, basically. Yeah. Everybody loves his shooting. Like, yeah, he's a shooter. We, we need a shooter. Let's just grab Cannon. He's top. He reminds – honestly, I don't see a huge – difference between him and cj mccollum mccollum's a better shooter he's a little bit bigger he's like two and a half three inches bigger like as far as actual like skill on the court i don't see a huge difference like they both i don't think either of them are going to be able to get into the lane a lot in the nba yeah i i I got a good uh, topic of conversation for you guys there's two local players in this draft projected maybe second round or maybe might go undrafted andre roberson from my buffs go buffs 
and uh, Colton Iverson. And I don't know if Sam, you know much about either of these guys, and Nate, I don't know if you know watching the local hoops. If I mean, I haven't seen Andre many uh, mock drafts even go in the second round. Yeah, he made probably the worst decision yeah. ever to come out of school, uh, which is kind yeah. of a. Sh- you see that a lot with the guys on yeah. this draft. I, too, I didn't understand that because. So, like Colorado is going to be a top ten team next yeah. year if he, they, if like if he stays, they're oh, a top so ten sad. team. I think they went so from sad. being uh I think they're ranked like fifteen, and then the day he announced that he was coming out to the draft, they dropped to like somebody like it. nineteen or twenty something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, they like, dropped like five or well, six I mean, spots. He was just a top rebounder in the country last year. That's all. So yeah, like, it's not like a huge. I, I do wonder if it's going to translate. Like rebound does. Uh, rebounding actually does normally translate pretty well. Kenneth Reed, but he's like six six and a half. Or something, yeah. isn't he? He's long, but he's not tall. Yeah. 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 He's kind of, I just it's thought. Same way with Freed is too. Don't get me wrong, but I yeah. just don't, I don't know if you can count on but him. But Freed's motors. Kind of Freed again. I mean, yeah. I mean, Andre's got a good motor, but Freed's motor is ridiculous. And Freed's just, he's I mean, a wildcat out there. And he's pretty yeah. thick too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a skinny guy, but he, he, he's, he's very strong and uses his body very well, which Roberson uses more of his athleticism yes. to rebound, which is questionable if that translates. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. But then in the Iverson kid, I mean, he's, I mean, he was good for 20 a game and obviously it's college, different game. And we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, he's more of a bulky, unathletic yeah. center, but he's got moves in, in the paint for sure. I know he was into Denver for a workout. Yeah. Uh, you might know more about him than I do. I don't really know a ton on him. He transferred from Minnesota. Minnesota, I think. Yeah. 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 He played under Tubby I, I see, Smith. I saw him at Minnesota, but I never saw him at Colorado State, which is when he actually got good. And they never, it was weird because with Tubby Smith in Minnesota, he just, for whatever reason, didn't score, didn't do much on offense. He was pretty much like a big, tough guy, like, that yeah. you would bring in. And then CSU basically but he's ran. Got a good little repertoire down low. Yeah, CSU really. kind of switched it and they ran a lot of their offense through him on the post and it was, you know, he looked like he could finish with both hands and he's, I think, the heaviest guy in this draft, so he's got like the probably. biggest body and a dude that might get picked around him or probably ahead of him would be Mike Muscala. I like Muscala. Muscala, Muscala. Muscala. I say Muscala. Exactly, yeah. I like him a lot because he's apparently just become this insane knockdown shooter. Like in workouts, you hear him, you hear rumors of him going like 90% from the mid range and like, in just like passing drills and shooting drills. Like insanity. And he finishes well. Like he's got post moves with like left and right. Because is he next Kevin McHale? Is he the closest thing we've had to Kevin (laughs) McHale since McHale? I think JaVale's going to be the next Kevin McHale. Hey, JaVale, you know, I'll McHale. take it. It yeah. works. I'm I like in. the rhyming, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in on that one. I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I like Muscala Locks. I'd I like to see JaVale McGee's face. You telling him he's going to be the next Kevin McHale. I'd like to see JaVale McGee's Go. response. I'd like to see him just be like, who? <laughs> 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 what? He's like, you think I'm going to coach the Rockets? <laughs> Have you seen Kevin McHale? I was gonna say, do we think, do we think that like he knows McHale is one of the 25 best players ever, or do we just think he knows him as the coach of the Rockets? Yeah. He just knows him as a white guy. Tall white guy for sure. For sure. Oh man. What do you guys think of Nate Walters? I took him in the SP Nation mock draft when Eric Green was already selected. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Nate Walters, he was in here for a workout. I'll take him. I mean, you yeah. can shoot. I know that. That's all I That's know. Skill. Really yeah. That's an I mean, NBA skill. He's also another guy that was really good in the pick and roll too in college. Yeah. He can get inside a little bit. Like I, yeah. I wonder if he too. had any potential to be like a, you know, one of those late round guys that, you know, ends up starting for 10 years in the NBA and you're like, how the hell did everybody pass on him? Yeah. I, I kind of wonder about him being like a, maybe like a Steve Blake that doesn't particularly play fantastic defense anymore, but like, yeah, he can shoot. He can maybe run an offense a little bit. Wouldn't surprise me. You take Steve Blake if you got him in, you know, yeah, exactly. right in the first part of the second round. I mean, that'd yeah. be phenomenal. But 
don't know. No, I like Walters. I like I like Ray McCallum. I think he's a really good athlete. I think he can shoot a little bit. Uh, I like Pierre Jackson as a bench guy, kind of like a Shane Larkin. Um, Mike Cabongo, I really have no idea what to think of him. But I like him because he has a cool name. Um, yeah, and those are guys like you just mentioned. Like we talked Cannon, um, Pierre Jackson, yeah. and whoever you just mentioned. Mike Cabongo. Yeah, he's Cabongo. from Texas. He was a guy that uh, – was suspended for the first 25 games okay. this year because of the, uh, like, academic – I don't remember what he did. Like, he, it's not that he didn't make grades. It was something with, like, an agent, I guess. It wasn't Mischief. academic. Yeah. And I know, like, the Nuggets have had, like, Eric Green, yeah. Eric Green, Ray McCallum, and mm-hmm. Walters have all been in here to work out. So I'm wondering if that could be – you know, one or two of those guys might be in here maybe before the draft if the Nuggets hold another workout because mm-hmm. they've kind of been flirting around with having point guards in. So yeah. it would be kind of cool to see some of those dudes here. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, the draft here coming up Thursday. This you guys watching this live, live blogging it. I'm uh, sure, Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know what our plans are exactly yet because uh, our leader and main editor, guy who runs the site, uh, Conrad Kazmarek. You should all go follow Conrad. him on Twitter. Um, he's actually running it for running the Twitter account for the uh, SB Nation NBA site. So you guys should all follow that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know what we're doing yet. I'll probably be the one who ends up covering the draft on nice. Fear the Sword yet. And I don't know what, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I played around with an idea of doing, so we did a Google Hangout with Jonathan Charks of SB Nation, uh, who writes about the NBA draft. I was thinking about maybe, uh, doing a Google Hangout and just having people watch my reactions angrily. <laughs> but, uh, I'm pro- <laughs> pretty sure, pretty, I, pretty sure I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> So in so absence yeah, of that, it might sure. just it might just end up being like a live blog. Just keep like yeah. a bottle of whiskey and a shot glass there, and like as you like pick Lynn. up your drinking, you can just tell <laughs> you're not happy with the picks. Like, He's drinking at a rapid rate now, two shots every ten minutes. Well, I would recommend everybody to, not just for the draft, but for the draft and beyond, to follow Sam at Sam underscore Vecini V E C E N I E, and. Dave here, D Stars, D S T A R C E one five at D Stars, because I know during the draft there's going to be a lot of bantering and a lot of stuff going on. Uh, nobody, as far as I know, uh, every SB Nation blogger I've I've met or interacted with on the phone or on the show has been absolutely the most knowledgeable people I know, and of, you know, including Timmons. And, uh, hey, thanks, buddy. And, uh, <laughs> Appreciate that. We're going to have uh, the three of us, Andrew Feinstein and myself, have watched the last two drafts at Pepsi Center. We're going to have Jeff with us this year, so the three of us will be down there. Nice. And then after the pick, of course, we'll get to talk with Tim Conley and Josh Kroenke about why they made the decision that they did. And you guys will agree with it, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. What what are your impressions on Conley? (laughs) You you like him? Good guy? I do like him. He seems pretty cool. We got to kind of talk with him a little bit. Uh, yeah, he probably didn't come with the hefty price tag. But we got to talk with him a little bit after his press He's conference. Good for the money. You know there you I mean? go. Yeah, good for money. Down to earth guy, and I think you know it surprised me that he said he's one of his best friends in the NBA is Masai Ujiri. So that kind of there you go. gave like Nuggets fans a little bit of reassurance. They're like, wow, this guy knows Masai. We can't be too. And far they're off, virtually right? indistinguishable from each other if you meet him in person. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, he's a traveler. He, you know, he kind of talked about he saw Evan uh, Von Fournier play in France past few years. 
You know, he met Andre Iguodala 12 years ago in Venezuela at like a that, USA yeah. game and stuff. So, I mean, he's he's got kind of a great little history. He's been in the league for 17 years. You can't really go wrong there with a 36-year-old guy. So There you go. That's crazy. Very yeah. good. Well, I'm, I'm going to be in Vegas this week for work. So uh, maybe if... If I get some time, we'll see what's... Start gambling on draft picks. Yeah. The, uh, if you see yeah. JaVale McGee there... I assume you can do that. If you see JaVale oh. McGee there, tell him to come back to Denver and start working out. Okay. Like, I'll keep my eyes <laughs> open for him. So you're going to be down in Vegas? Yes. No live blogging. The draft for uh, Pelicans I mean, I'm fans. assuming that the Pel- that the uh, at the Hive, like I said, need a name change, but um, <laughs> I'm assuming that there'll be a uh, live, uh, live stream or... Um, but people can comment as the draft's going on. Hopefully I can participate in it. Like I said, I just, I just don't know my schedule. No yet, cell phones but, at the blackjack uh, table, man. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, I'm on the roulette table myself. So. <laughs> even know, better. Yes, yeah, even better. <laughs> so, uh, should be fun. Like I said, I'll just have to search out for a TV wherever I am, uh, once it gets going. I'm not sure if it's seven our time, six our time, something like that. Probably. I haven't even looked yet. Oh, I guess okay. it's around there, <laughs> six or seven. Yeah, get back here. <laughs> I've only been out here three weeks. I have no idea. He doesn't even know what time it is right now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Were you aware of a mountain time zone that it even existed? It exist. I, I was aware that it was a thing that existed. East, <laughs> it's such a travesty because it, you, you never know what time anything is on because they always give you Eastern, yeah. Central, and Pacific. They yes, just on the, literally uh, jump right yeah. over it. I can just bullshit, I man. I automatically <laughs> just hear Eastern and then just subtract it, like right. It's like clockwork. That's what, yeah. Sometimes That's what it doesn't work. Doing, like, nine Eastern, like oh seven. What okay. if it's not a live event? Yeah, then I get totally confused See, and is, try to set my DVD. I don't even have TV. <laughs> I'll say that this is table. what we live with out here. <laughs> uh, say the one thing that I'm uh, jealous of of you two gentlemen is you guys have both had number one picks. Nuggets have never had higher than the number three pick. We've been screwed out of the top pick a few times. We should have had LeBron James, by the way. That was our season. You guys stole him from us. But yeah, we whatever. should have. I'm been so able, sorry. we should have had the opportunity to <laughs> yeah, trade really him away. Not, we should have lose him after seven years. Yeah, we should have been decision. Should have been us. Yeah. <laughs> the, and the cast have gone what three in ten years. That's yes. pretty good. That's it's, unbelievable. No, it's not. <laughs> that's that's going to be a record. You can be, be proud of that. We were talking right about. Proudly. We were talking about this a couple of months ago. Number one picks don't seem to have any indication of future success. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if the Lakers or the Heat or Boston yeah. has had a number one pick in recent memory, but uh, and you know if you're picking there, it's because you just suffered through about six months oh, of misery. Man. <laughs> so very good. Well, gentlemen, thanks a lot, Jeff Morton. We miss you, buddy. We wish you were here. Just we know you're busy, man. Maybe next time. Yeah, we're gonna get Jeff to listen to this, and he's gonna fall in love with the draft. This is gonna be a thing that does it. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> the turning point in Jeff's life. Is that why Jeff texted me yesterday? He's like, ah, sucker. Oh, yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Jeff believes more in free agency for some reason than the draft. I think they're equal. Like, you have to do both well. You know, we'll give you the GM speech. There are three equal parts to player acquisition. (laughs) You know, draft is just one of them. You know what they should do? They should have all of free agency conducted, like, on three days throughout the summer. Like, you can only make moves on. June 25th and then or and then July 25th. What if it was like an auction? So, That'd be so, so cool. It like was just like auction. it was just like 24 hours of massive activity oh. and trades. Like wouldn't be sleeping for no. 24 no. hours. Yeah. Be, I feel bad oh for people God. that worked at like, you know, SB Nation's news desk and things of that nature that are sitting there trying to turn out 60 stories in like an hour. <laughs> they get off. SB Nation's <laughs> mother's basement is that what you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They're cool, Timmons. Don't worry about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Fantastic. 
I would also say the worst part of the NBA draft is probably Mark Spears and Adrian Wojnarowski who are tweeting out the picks like 30 seconds before yeah. David Stern says them. So you're like, oh, here comes the pick. And they're like, oh, they took this guy. It's like, damn it. They're ruining everything. <laughs> like, I just want to be surprised. I don't but care. Thanks, sources. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I always use Mark Spears as my source. That is true. There you go, Ross. Never fails. Never fails. Sweet, man. We'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Let's roll out.